0: Around, around, and underneath, the trickster flies. Catch him! Catch him! If he doesn't lose you, lose you when he flies. And we welcome you to Drive Back the Night, an Andromeda series podcast. I'm Ethan Maestri. And I'm Ryan Mazzocco. Each episode of Drive Back the Night, we take a look at an episode of Gene Roddenberry's Andromeda. And we analyze it for the things that we like, that we dislike, and the th- talk about the things that we learn about the Andromeda universe. This week, Ryan, exalted reason, resplendent daughter. Yeah, so as um, we get in...
1: Huh? Hey, where'd you go? were you going to do the thing? We talked the thing going to do that. Yeah. the oh, messages.
0: You, you talking about those emails? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Why, why don't you go ahead and cover them?
1: Okay. All right. Yeah. So we do uh, want to give some, just a little bit of shout out to some of those who have uh, given us a shout out. We're really appreciative. This is just a handful of some that uh, I kind of went through these and picked a few out here. Um, so in no particular order, we have Rhea from Canada. Um, she says, Ryan and Ethan, I really love your podcast. Thank you so much. Um, Travis from UK says, thank you so much for all the work you do. You are both very talented and easy to listen to, especially Ryan. And then we have uh, Edward from North Dakota who says, Ryan, without a doubt, you are one of my favorite podcast hosts. You really carry the show. And then we have uh, Robert from California. Okay, who said, okay.
0: that's enough. I, I think you've covered him. You you got a few more there, don't you?
1: Oh, man. Yeah, I got a list. Yeah,
0: I kind of see the trend that's happening. Let's move on. Let's just get into the show. What's the matter? Uh, Nothing. Just seems a little uh, one-sided, don't you think?
1: I can't help it. The people love me.
0: (sighs) You know I'm plotting to overthrow you, right? (laughs)
1: You have been since day one. Since day Are one. we there again?
0: Are we there again? <laughs> We're there oh again. Ah, oh, my uh. jealousy has <laughs> flared up in a rage. Ah, uh, yes. Yeah, so, moving on, exalted reason, resplendent daughter. This is episode seventy-five of Drive Back the Night Andromeda series podcast. And so, to get us going in this episode, in this discussion, Ryan, I have a little bit of trivia. What do you say? I say I was expecting that. Very good, sir. So our trivia is for this episode, uh, it was written by Naomi Jensen and directed by Richard Flower. We have seen both of these names in our Andromeda before, and it's good to see them return uh, for this particular episode. Our guest actors, Martin Cummins. He plays Kulis Barra. He is an actor and director in television and in cinema. And one of his earliest roles came in 1989's Friday the 13th Part 8. Jason Takes Manhattan, where he plays Wayne. He also appeared on The Commish, The Outer Limits, Dark Angel, Smallville, The 4400, Kyle XY, Fringe, V, just to name a few, and there's many more to his uh, list as well. Uh, But most recently, he played Tom Keller on the Riverdale series, which he also has directing and soundtrack credits for as well. Next on the list, we have Jim Burns. He plays Shinoa San. He is a tenured voice and character actor who originally hails from St. Louis, Missouri, just down the road from us. Well, up the road. So up the road, correct. (laughs) Yep. Uh, So fellow Missourian, Um, he's lent his voice to such animated series as G.I. Joe, Conan the Adventurer, and Double Dragon. His live-action appearances include Highlander, The Net, Cold Squad, and The Outer Limits. He will appear again in our very next episode that we're going to review, Uh, this time, though, as Virgil Vox, not as uh, the King San, um, as we will probably no doubt discuss a little bit later on as to why that's the case. But he will be referenced in voice only as Virgil Vox in several episodes of Andromeda throughout the rest of season four and into season five as well. And finally, we have Christina Cox. He, she plays son. son. Uh, she began her career with small roles in early 90s television shows. Her big break though, came with a lead role as Angela Ramirez in FX the series, a role for which she received a Gemini Award nomination in 1998. She would go on to appear in such series as Earth Final Conflict, Stargate SG-1, 24, and Castle, and even appeared in films such as Elysium and The Chronicles of Riddick. So that's our guest actors for this episode, Exalted Reason, Resplendent Daughter. Ryan, I believe you have the summary for us this week.
1: I believe you're correct. Exalted Reason, Resplendent Daughter. The Andromeda crew is in hot pursuit of notorious pirate Kulis Barra, one of the Commonwealth's most wanted, when they lose him and find themselves in the Miskelon system, which is under attack. As they move in to assist, they find themselves being attacked by the Miskelonians, claiming that it is the Commonwealth that has attacked them under the Order's of Shenoa San, a Commonwealth leader and self-proclaimed king of his empire. His daughter, Alaias, has gone missing, and he blames Coulis for her disappearance and implied murder and attacked Misculon as he claims they are harboring him. Dylan isn't so quick to assume she is dead but does promise to bring in Kulis for him and find Elaeus if she is still alive. After investigating several seedy-looking planets, Becca and Rade eventually find Elaeus alive and well, working with Kulis. They are overpowered and captured by Elaeus' goons. She claims her father tried to have her killed because of the adoration she was receiving from his subjects, just like he did to her mother. Elaeus convinces Coolis not to kill them, but instead intends to send them to a backwater planet to learn new skills valuable to their new lives. They escape the guards, but by now, Kulis and Elaeus have disappeared. When they are unable to get any answers, Dylan uses extreme force to find out where the couple are hiding. After presumably getting the information they needed, the Andromeda exits exit slipstream near the couple's hideout planet, but they notice that Shinoah Sam is already there. Rade and Becca find Elias, while Dylan and Harper find Kulis. Rade, Becca, and Elias find themselves stranded in the middle of an enzyme swamp. Kulis escapes Dylan to rescue Elias, and she convinces him to rescue the others as well. But before he can, Shinoah Sam finds them and wounds Kulis. Then before doing away with the others... He bad guy monologues long enough for Dylan to find them and hear the whole sinister plot. He shoots Genoa, sending him falling into the Enzyme Swamp. The rest make a cool getaway. Later, Coolus and Elias are married, and Dylan convinces them to combine forces for the good of the Commonwealth. The end.
0: Well done, Ryan. Well done.
1: Was it? Was it, though? (laughs)
0: A lot of, a lot of uh, interesting uh, plays on words there that that could be uh, cited in reference, but uh, yes, well done. Um, well, thank you. Help me out for a moment. Kulis Bara, uh, descendant of the great Yogi Bara, correct? I think so. Let's make that um, canon.
1: Yeah, I mean, I can't, I don't know if I can fact check that or not, but <laughs> it seems right.
0: Yeah, let's go with it let's go with it he has incredible physical abilities yeah let's let's just say Yogi Berra did too and just make that headcanon he is Yogi Berra's great 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 grandson oh yeah let's go with
1: that looking at at least a thousand greats right
0: yeah something like that yeah it's quite a ways down the road
1: alright I'm going to do an impression Okay. Can I do uh, that?
0: Lay it on me. All right. Freeze ray. <laughs> freeze ray. Uh, well, uh, I'm missing the reference here.
1: Oh, you know the freeze ray that they used to freeze the enzymes pump. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you that, went straight to that, one. didn't
0: you? That's a new weapon. They they, yeah. It, is it the same ray that they used earlier to melt something in the uh, the restaurant or the the bar?
1: Um, it, it came from the same place on the Andromeda, yeah. so I don't know, I mean.
0: So this is a ray that just does whatever needs to happen. It just messes
1: with temperatures.
0: Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. Cool.
1: You need to burn something, cool, we can do that. You need to freeze something, hey, we got you We can you do that as too. well, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, okay, that's a thing now. This is the first time we have seen this in universe, Uh To right? my
1: knowledge, to my recollection, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It seems like something this could really come in handy, though, if you have an away team down on a planet and it's inhospitable, say, too cold or too hot. Yeah. Just have the Andromeda in a geosynchronous orbit just shooting that thing right around your crew, you know?
0: Yeah. You well, actually I'm, I'm freeze just, them. But. I'm just thinking now they have to go camping frequently. And every time Andromeda passes passes overhead, hey, hey, light the fire, please. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Light the fire pit. Oh, that's what you want to use a multi-billion credit uh, battleship for, right? Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. What do you mean go straight to that? Did you have something?
0: Oh, I had a few things in between, but I mean, it was straight to the enzyme swamp. Like, shouldn't we banter about a few other things first?
1: No, I'm not talking about the enzyme swamp. I'm talking about the freeze ray.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or melt ray, whatever it needs to be. Yeah. Okay.
1: But the freeze ray really saves the day,
0: does it, it not? It does. Uh, well, the melt ray did a pretty good job at getting the people's attention.
1: Okay, that's a whole another thing. That that is for later. Okay, go ahead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right then. Um, so uh, I'm, I'm thinking about the bar fight early on. Uh, I'm okay. guess I'm guessing Rade just didn't want to rip up the leather jacket in that dust up that they had because he gets knocked out. He's laying there, and I noticed. No bone blades, but it was a nice leather jacket. So oh, yeah. did he just keep those things tucked up against his arm there, and just refuse to deploy them in the fight? Is that what happened there?
1: Yeah, I think so. Okay,
0: you We're, don't
1: you don't want to mess with that stuff.
0: Yeah, leather's rare at that time. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's that's yeah. that's how it, that's what happened then.
1: Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, I want to know how he got it in the first place then, really.
0: The leather jacket? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it's well, that rare. Well, there was a really good guns and ammo place just right around the corner from where they were at. I mean, the so big just neon it? Is sign it brand new? It. Yeah. He might Is have it picked it up new? there on planet. Okay. Yeah.
1: But you know what? Speaking of that fight scene, I've kind of got something there, because I think this whole thing was really Rade's fault anyway, because when they... They find Alaeus there, right? And she just comes right up to him and they're talking and he's like, hey, it's you. And she's like, yeah, it's me and it's you, right? And then there's no, like, he just, he just, why does he just come right at her? Well, time to arrest you.
0: Exactly. Or haul you away.
1: They're supposed to be rescuing her, right? Yeah. They find her and there is no, are you okay? Mm Mm-hmm. Do you need help? You know? Yeah. Um, blink once for you need help. There's nothing. It's just somebody has a gun trained on you. You Yeah. Let us know. He just goes, you said it though. Arrest. Yeah. It just looks like he's going right in. Like we need to
0: take her in. He's very much missions over. Yeah. Bring in the perp. Uh,
1: (laughs) So I think, yeah, this whole thing, they could have just been like, Hey, you good. (laughs) What's going on? Yeah. Oh, you're with these guys. Um, now we can talk, right? Yep. But no, instead he just goes in for the for the arrest and we have to have a big, the first of several of big several barroom brawls. brawls. Yes.
0: Yes. Uh, yes, that is true. Uh, although I, I do, I want to say, I want to see a Becca and Rod A spinoff, Commonwealth Five O, Because, come on, these two, you know, the wit, the banter, the detective mm. work... I mean, it's there, it's there. Commonwealth five zero. I think it could. Yeah. I think it could be something. Yeah, I think you're right. Coming to CW.
1: All right. So hey, hey Ethan, I have a question. I just want to get your opinion on something. Mm-hmm. When we see Elias and Kulis together for the first time, and there's the big reveal that they're
0: together. Right. W- was that kiss overdone? I literally have had written down and decided, no, Ryan's going to bring this up, so I marked it out. <laughs> Were you at all surprised by the princess kissing Kulis? I wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> That's literally what I had written down. I'm glad you brought. Yeah, I'm glad you vindicated my uh, understanding of of your process.
1: Well, we've been doing this together a while. Yeah.
0: So. So. Yeah. Yeah, no, i it, it I wasn't uh, thrown by this at all. I was not surprised by this at all. Is that what the point was that what you were getting at? Uh surprised, thrown, not so much, but just overdone. Yeah. Well that I too. Thought. That too. Mm-hmm. Well well. It's overplayed. like
1: we're we're really trying to make a point here. Yeah.
0: And and then like, and then they, they hit us with it again a second time later on in the show, right at the end. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: We're used to it by then, I guess. I guess so. But there, it's just a point. There's no hi. How was your day? Oh, I see you got the. <laughs> oh, honey, <laughs> I see you got the guys here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> Nope. Just walk right up and and immediately mm-hmm. go to uh, making out like high schoolers. There you go. Yeah. Uh, I really, I okay. So there's this thing, and here we go. We're going to talk about Star Trek for a second. There's the Yay. there's the <laughs> there's the thing in Star Trek where we reference two actual things and then a fake thing, right? Yes! Did you did you notice this as well?
1: Yes, I did. Yeah. And I didn't actually write it down, but I remember thinking, Ethan will bring that up.
0: So, see? So, here we go. We're two for two. The ying and the yang. Mm-hmm. So, so we have uh, the great Sironium uh, mm-hmm. mentioned here.
1: Which everybody is quite familiar with.
0: Yeah. <laughs> sure, because even uh-huh. Becca had to... Uh, Reference, uh, make reference to it, but it's a little, it's a little bit different than what Star Trek does. I noticed they did the Robin Hood reference, and that's Mm -hmm. obviously one we would get. Uh, Mm -hmm. He also makes mention of Cyrus of Tal, which I did a little bit of an internet search, and I could not find a historical reference to Cyrus of Tal. So I think, I think we got one actual reference and two fake, which is fine. But I applaud them for for following the Star Trek. Attack and and doing mm-hmm. the references to kind of bring us into the universe and then give us a little something extra, um, right. except that they overplayed it <laughs> <laughs> by Becca making reference to the great Cyril, uh, the great Ceronium, you know, mm-hmm. and and then forcing Rade to have to explain the reference. You know, I thought that was a little bit heavy handed, but mm. props to him for for following a, a little bit of a, a Star Trek trope. Right. I liked it. Yeah. I thought it was fine. Yeah. I yeah. mean, it
1: added a little bit of, am um, I being a little like, overcritical? Really, I don't know. I, I mean, it, it would have been, it would have been worse if they'd have said Robin Hood and then someone had to explain Robin Hood. <laughs> yeah. Right. Cause then they're really hitting us over the head that, Hey, humans from earth are part of this story.
0: Yeah. No, I, I I see your point there. I just I just figured that the fact that Rade had to then, after making the reference, then turn to Becca after she draws attention to it and him being like, you know, that guy from the Galaxy Tet. No, that's not what he says, but I mean, the, the Galaxy Tet is referenced, which what's that? Who knows? We don't get an explanation. That's cool. I, I don't mind that at all. It just felt a little overplayed in the fact that they went with it. But I will... I will concede that I'm probably being a little bit too nitpicky with that.
1: Okay. Maybe not. I just nitpick for a different reason. So here's something a little nitpicky maybe. So when they're standing there on the, the one little rock pad, they're in the enzyme swamp. Mm-hmm. And uh, I almost said tear. Uh, and Rade tells Whoa, them. that would be incorrect. Yeah, that would be. And Rade tells them, don't move and then they immediately all start moving
0: (laughs) start shifting around
1: (laughs) yeah stand perfectly still as we one by one move to all these different rocks and eventually get to this still not safe
0: ledge yeah well you know they were in a they were in a nerve wracking situation they were they really were we don't know how they got there but whatever (laughs) this is exactly how the writers got us to that point Mm mm-hmm whatever <laughs> this is just this is what happened this is this is what's happening this is what's unfolding uh um we had an, another reference which i'm i don't know if we'll get into this in our discussion of becca we got a little bit of a uh, we learned a lot about her background right yeah so we we learn of her mother's name talia well, I don't know if we learned a lot
1: but we learned we learned some very Big key points, yeah, which I think informs a lot.
0: Okay, yeah, we can get into more that more than when we, we actually learned. We can the infer. time for that discussion. You're 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 talking over my joke here. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, no, but you make a good point. We'll get to it. But we learned her name, Talia of Odekirk, right? My head yes. canon wants me to believe that the colony Odekirk was named in honor of the comic genius Steve Odekirk. I'm just stating that for the record.
1: I am in 100% okay. agreement. Excellent. That is exactly what happened. Yeah. I, I like was looking it. for some way to tie him into this universe. and
0: There it is. There it is. The only thing they needed to go a little bit further, and instead of uh, uh, Elias being the princess, they could have made her chosen one, but, yeah, they didn't <laughs> do that. So... <laughs> <laughs>
1: I'm coming. <laughs> <laughs>
0: oh, boy. Uh, and finally, uh, I, I, I do have to ask you, when Coolus uh, when he rock jumps, the sound effect that is used when he does so. Now, was that sound effect for our benefit as the audience? Or does he actually make the whooshing sound when he jumps oh, from rock to rock?
1: Yeah, he definitely makes the whooshing sound.
0: Because it makes the universe so much cooler. Mm-hmm. I like it. I like it.
1: Yeah, although I think it would make it really hard to be stealthy, because then people are like, "Did you hear that?" I think that was cool, was jumping around. Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've only, I, I kept waiting. I've only heard that that whooshing sound when you know speed walking or jogging, but that's because I'm getting older and fatter. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for when he was doing all that jumping around for Harper to be like, did you see that? He just blinked two sets of eyelids <laughs> yeah. and Dylan's like, yeah, what? Well, he blinked one set. Then he blinked another set.
0: Yeah. I, I, okay. So, so let's do that. that. That's the last of our observations. We'll move it on to what we learned about. Let's, let's start off with that because did this not feel like a very X-Men, which would have been very much of the time uh, because the, the movie had just come out, what, two, three years before this, this episode aired. But, Wasn't it? It was interesting that you give a character like this such a dramatic ability, and don't explain at all how, why, what contributed to him gaining. And it's
1: a complete surprise. Yeah,
0: yeah. It's just it's way more of a surprise than the kiss. Yeah, there's. I'll just I'll just say that. Yeah, you're right. You're absolutely right. But I mean, uh, like like when we start out, Harper very much clues us into the fact that this is a this is a very gifted individual he's very stealthy you know he's he's been able to avoid the commonwealth but that is more of a you know he's he's good with strategy he knows how to handle his ship he's got a good crew that's kind of how i took that there was nothing talking about this man's supernatural ability (laughs) Mm -hmm. to to fly seemingly from one point to another uh, by super jumping and, and there's no explanation as to how or why this happens.
1: Yeah, and really in this grand scheme of things, like it doesn't help. All those things that Harper is talking about, this doesn't really play into it. Mm-mm. It's just, like you have to, it, it doesn't, like it can't really help. It helps in this situation because he's able to just jump 20 feet in the air away from Dylan, which apparently that is beyond the max range of his force force lance. lance. Yes. Apparently so. So yeah, he gets away. Yeah. Uh, so you know what? No, I take all that back. This is absolutely crucial to why he's able to evade authorities for this whole time.
0: It's because once they do corner him, he just jumps away. He jumps to the 20 foot range outside Mm -hmm. of their weapons. Okay. Okay. Well, that is one way of looking at it, I suppose. I, I guess <clears throat> if he does have these these innate abilities, I guess that would add to his legend and therefore why he would have 1,100 planets of saved people that would you know pay fealty to him and, and, and view him as the Robin Hood that he is, I guess. But again, we have absolutely no discussion of this whatsoever in the context of this episode. Um, let's move on from there. Uh, yeah. What would you like to talk about? What, what's something that you learned from this universe of Andromeda and this, that we see in the episode?
1: Okay, well, I don't know if it's something that we learned or not, but really I have more of a question because we, we touched on it a little bit last time. Who? who what's the power dyam- dynamic? What is the command structure on the Andromeda now? Because... Dylan is away when we open this episode. Dylan is away on Terra
0: Zed. And
1: who is in command of the Andromeda?
0: Seemingly Rade, right, because Becca right. is nowhere to be found. Now, <clears throat> was Becca piloting the Maru, and that's where Dylan was? Is that what that's was going my question,
1: on? question, is that we're not told. All we yeah. know is Dylan is away. All the communication is with Dylan. There's no reference made to Becca. Or whether or not she is with him, or if she is just somewhere else on the ship at that time. She's not in the scene. She's not on command deck. She's not with Dylan. Rade's clearly in charge.
0: Yeah, and I and okay, so in my mind, I, I went there. Uh Becca is flying the Maru. Dylan is on the Maru. That's how he's being shuttled back and forth uh from Terra Zed to, to Andromeda. So that being the case. Yeah, um, I guess we assume Rade is third in command.
1: Okay, but is that what you want to do? Is anytime your captain needs to go somewhere, you take the first officer because she's the pilot?
0: Well, she's already stated no one flies the Maru but her.
1: Yeah. Is is the Maru? <laughs> this is the Commonwealth now. This isn't first. This isn't season one when the only ships they had access to was the Andromeda and the Maru. This is true. I mean, we have they can we they can they can retire the Maru. They can just keep it in a in a shuttle bay somewhere, nice and safe. Nobody has to fly it ever, unless Becca wants to go on some little cruise for something on her own. But as far as practical purposes in this in this military uh, organization, yeah, they have high guard. They have smaller shuttles on the Andromeda. Yeah, that they could be using. Why do they have to take the Andromeda or why do they have to take the Maru and the first officer of the ship along with it?
0: No, it's a valid point. But I think that's what the writer was, was going for with this one in, in order to put Rod a in the pilot's chair. Which you didn't even have to do that. You could have had Becca standing on command deck and just, okay, we're training Rade <laughs> You know, he's got some flight experience. We're going to let him fly the ship. They could have done that, but they didn't. So I think we have to assume that Dylan's okay with uh, taking his first officer and going on, you know, errands. But you do bring up a good point about uh, crew dynamic. And I did notice in this episode, did it seem like Becca and Rade were a bit more flirty than the previous couple of times?
1: It was like, uh, yeah, there was a certain toxic flirtiness that was going on here um almost like they were just right on the edge of trying to be flirty but man they don't know how to do that they don't want to be flirty they still want to be kind of at arm's length from each other like what is what is the source of the animosity that's still kind of between them i i is it just because he's a nietzschean and she
0: she's been burned by nietzschean's well, he, or, he he does make a pretty pointed Nietzschean comment about Becca in this episode. Yeah. So maybe she's definitely feeling a bit uh, threatened by that fact or mm. just by the presence of a Nietzschean.
1: Yeah. Or the fact that he is the genetic reincarnation of Telemachus Rade, who used to serve as Dylan's number one. Yeah. That's a good point. So there's, I hadn't there's thought a about threat. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he might might want to
0: show a little bit of bias. Yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. No, but it, it, did, it did definitely seem like they... Uh, the, the, the challenge of Rade to Becca's authority seemed to be less here, other than the fact that he was at times with comments seemed a little bit insubordinate but it, it did also seem like they ratcheted up some of the flirtation as well. Uh, there was the mm-hmm. one scene where they cr- crouch behind the rock when they're in the swamp area, mm-hmm. and, and he makes that, that hot reference, and she kind of looks at him, and you know he, he suddenly acted like he was revealed or, or somewhat vulnerable mm-hmm. in that situation, and I'm like, okay, they're kind of trying to play this up a little bit. It felt like to me. Did it to you? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. Okay.
1: Yeah, but there's also... I think there's also just that little bit of resistance. Like, there's there's flirtatiousness mixed with animosity. It's like, I think they don't really know what to do with each other at this point.
0: Yeah. um, Talking about Becca specifically, uh, she's always played that reversed elitist role. There's that nature about her. Now we understand why. Um, We knew that the mother had walked out on them. But that's about it, right? Mm-hmm. In in show, in lore. Um, now we have a, a greater understanding as to what exactly happened. And I thought it was good for her character, honestly. It did feel like it just kind of got dropped in our laps all of a sudden because we haven't visited her character, it seems like, in quite a while. Um, really not since season two. But... Uh, I guess it it was nice that they kind of fleshed out a little bit more and we have a more rounded view of the complete family that was around uh, Becca Valentine. Uh,
1: But it still, it also leaves, for me, it brings up a lot of questions as to the earlier part of her childhood. Was it happy and stable? Was she privileged? Or, like, what... What were the circumstances that got her parents together in the first place? Because they are clearly from two completely different worlds. Right, right. Was her father a smuggler and a criminal while he was with uh, Becca's mom? Or did he turn to a life of crime after she basically rejected them?
0: Well, it... In what they inferred about her character, it was more the, the, the former or the latter rather than the former uh, of the two scenarios that you put up there. That she lived a little bit of a life of luxury until the mother walked out. Mm-hmm. And then her father would have, in order to provide for her and her brother and uncle, um, would have had to have turned to a life of piracy. And, you know, and, and that's when the quality of life. Substantially uh, diminished.
1: Okay. Well, I'm just wondering where all that came from because they seem to be pretty good at it. Yeah, and that's not the kind of thing that you just get good at because, oh, well, well okay. I, I, I gotta, I gotta go get a job, so I guess I'll just be a smuggler now.
0: No, you look at Star Wars. I mean, it was Princess falls for the handsome rogue. Uh, it's insinuated, at least in the old EU, that the handsome rogue tried to do things, you know, legitimately for a while. And then goes back to, by the time you get to the sequel trilogy, you know, he's back to uh, uh, villainy and, and smuggling and and an untoward way of living. Oh, man.
1: Star Wars just makes everything make sense, doesn't it? <laughs> it
0: does. It really does.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, then I got nothing. Yeah, this is all good. It okay. It all makes sense. I, I buy it.
0: Let, then let's talk about the efficacy and legitimacy of Enzyme Swamps. Would this be something that would exist on a planet?
1: Well, first, I think I'm going to need to be explained to as to what it is.
0: Nope. No explanation. It exists. Oh, okay.
1: Okay. All <laughs> so, right. so it's
0: just a swamp full of enzymes. A swamp full of enzymes. And if you fall into it, you die. Unless it gets immediately, unless the swamp gets <laughs> right? frozen and then you can right? somehow claw your way back out.
1: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I did have a big problem with this. I wasn't sure if I was going to bring this up in the earlier segment where we just kind of do our little jokes or if this was a big. And I was like, no, this is big. This is glaring. Yeah. I don't like this. The dude is dead. We saw him die. He gets yes. shot he starts getting eaten away by enzymes which apparently kills him like instantly as far yeah. as we can see yeah okay if, if that didn't kill him then this this swamp gets frozen over <laughs> enough that five can... people are able to safely walk across it but no he can okay. just pop that right. should
0: have killed him that should have yes
1: it should have killed him so all these thi- all these reasons that he should be dead. Let's say he still survived that. Okay? Just for the sake of argument. The ice is, is thick enough. This is Mustafa for them to
0: falling down the, the in the pit in Doctor Evil's lair. That's what this is.
1: <laughs> yes. <laughs> He's still alive, just very just badly, badly frozen.
0: frozen. <laughs> Chemically burned. <laughs> <laughs> so
1: okay, so yeah, let's say that he does survive all of this. Now he's underneath this ice, which is thick enough for for five people to run across safely. Yeah. He's able to break his fist through it to grab an ankle. Sure. First of all, how does he even have the awareness to know what's going on, to know whose ankle it is? Or maybe he didn't know whose ankle it was. Maybe he just saw feet and decided to... Help!
0: Help! Get me out of
1: here! (laughs) I mean, Dylan did say that, hey, this is just temporary, so come on, let's move. But even if that's the case, then the weight of the people on the ice would have fallen through before he's able to punch through the ice. Yeah,
0: yeah. physics definitely took a back seat for the sake of uh, jump scare.
1: Which is your favorite kind of scare, I happen to know.
0: Uh, Sure, Hmm. except that it just absolutely did not work. In this episode, in any shape, form, or fashion.
1: No, and I'm just, I'm going to say it, I'm just, I'm calling absolute BS on this one.
0: (laughs) Myth busted.
1: I cannot, (laughs) I cannot abide. Okay,
0: all right. Uh, And then the last thing I I wanted to bring up about what we learned about our universe is a little bit about how the Commonwealth is made up. Wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. We're not done with the enzyme swamp. Oh, we're not? No. Okay, continue with the enzymes. Okay.
1: So we kind of alluded to it earlier. As far as why are we there? Mm-hmm.
0: It
1: it just comes out of nowhere, right? So what the Aleus, enzyme swamp or the arm? Yeah, the enzyme swamp. Uh, okay, yeah. Because they're talking to Elias and they're saying, okay, if you can, if you, to prove your Commonwealth, to prove your loyalty to the Commonwealth, betray, uh, Kulis. And then they just stand there looking at each other soap opera style going into a commercial. (laughs) And then the next thing we know, we're at this other scene with Dylan and Harper and Harper comes running in and says, hey, they're trapped in. Okay, was he in communication with them? We never saw them communicating at all. Was he with them? Did he go back and find them and be like, oh, no, I need to go run back and tell Dylan about what I'm seeing right now.
0: That's true. Yeah.
1: It it, it did. It doesn't make any sense. How did all of this happen? Yeah, like we don't see them start to make a journey. She doesn't agree to anything that we see. So we we don't even know if they started traveling. We don't know how Harper knows about all of this. And here suddenly they find themselves in this enzyme swamp, which how does he even know it is an enzyme swamp? Do any of them know about this? Was it Alea that told him? Oh, by the way, this is an enzyme swamp. I know that because I've been here before. (laughs) Or is it just kind of one of those things that people know? In this universe. I think you smell it. I think you
0: know by the smell. You smell the enzymes? I think so. Okay. I don't know what enzymes smell like, but I imagine they have a very strong odor.
1: Probably. I mean, distinctive, you use them to make cheese, A distinctive
0: right? yeah, yeah, you do. You use them to make cheese, <laughs> other things. Yeah. Maybe I, that's
1: the test. You drop some <laughs> milk in the pond, and if it turns into cheese... It's enzymes. Okay. There you go. Okay. Well, I think it's just Swiss cheese, right? Like, there's different kinds of cheese that it makes...
0: Well, not, now you're getting into a whole realm that I know nothing about. You you have all of the cheese-making uh, power in this duo that we have here.
1: Which isn't much. I've made one block of cheese. Um, <clears throat> so anyway, the point is, like, it's just the whole, this, this whole sequence is just very disjointed. Like, I don't know how we got from one place to another, right? But then it continues because then when Shinoah meets them on the other side of the enzyme pond do you see him take his shots when he when he shoots at coolis we see the shots and all we get is just it's a screen of a, a walk of, of a rock wall with like four shots at it yeah. boom 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 yeah and then the next thing we know coolis is laying on and the then ground.
0: one very poorly acted hit yeah <laughs>
1: Like what was going on with those with those shots? Is he just that bad? Yeah. And why did we even have to have all of that? Like none of it no, no, none of it made sense.
0: I I think you're da- you're straying dangerously into what we thought of this episode. Do we do we want to revisit that there or do you want to just keep going?
1: Okay. So I just got one more thing about Rade. So he they're standing there, the three of them on this rock and he says, "Trust me." I'm bred for self-preservation. So, do we infer from that that because he is a Nietzschean, he just instinctually understands enzyme swamps and how to navigate them?
0: I think if he were a true Nietzschean, he would have shoved both of those ladies into the enzyme swamp to save himself. I think that's what a real Nietzschean would have done.
1: Just use them as as like a a person yeah. bridge all
0: right they're moving mm-hmm. around i've told them to stop there's their warning right <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: now I mean, now he was generous even that. yeah 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 he was <laughs> now the self-preservation kicks in shove them both preserve himself alive i think that's how Nietzschean actually handles that situation yeah i have problems with how that whole that, that whole last 10 minutes was handled but again we we can get into this later all right, we have a whole segment for that.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> uh, one last thing I did want to bring up is is we do learn a bit about the nature of how the Commonwealth is made up, right? So, Shinoa uh, and San Shinoa Sands Shinoa Sands Empire mm-hmm. is what three hundred planets, something like that, is what we learn early on in the episode and it's one of the most powerful in the commonwealth so apparently you have these existing uh empires that comprise the com this new commonwealth um and they apparently get to dictate their own laws and whatnot i i assume much like states in the union right
1: yeah or the eu kind of oh yeah yeah
0: you could go with that too i think so Yeah, so we get a little bit of a, uh, learn a little bit about the politics of what makes up the Commonwealth. So I thought that was interesting too. So can we talk about Dylan
1: for just a minute? Oh,
0: yeah. What do we learn about Dylan?
1: Well, we learned that Dylan is not above holding human lives hostage for information.
0: Oh, this, yeah, this is kind of a big one. Are you talking about the barroom crowd? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, let's talk about this. Yeah.
1: Okay. Um, basically his ultimatum is hey, how many of you want to keep living? <laughs> yeah.
0: Now, I guess it could be argued that he was playing it heavy handed, but was he actually going to hurt anyone?
1: It doesn't matter. You're right. But once you lay that out there, yeah, you you're you're playing you the bad gotta guy deliver. Yeah. Either you got to deliver or you lose all credibility forever.
0: That's, that is true.
1: The best thing that happened for Dylan was that they didn't call his bluff. Because yeah. if they had, he would have been ruined.
0: Yes. <laughs> yes, he would have. So I guess we're glad that it worked out the way that it did.
1: Uh, I mean,
0: as far as
1: for the advancement of the plot, yeah. But also, we don't really know exactly how it worked out, do we? Because he just made his threat, and next thing we know, we're coming out of slipstream on the secret planet. Yeah. So, my question is, who talked, and what did they say? Yeah. It's another hole
0: in the story. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just, we assume it went well, and now we're, now we're where we need to be.
1: It went well enough. Yeah, it went well I enough. Mean, yeah. Well, every, I mean,
0: everybody raised their hand. So, you know, Rade and well, Beck were there raised... to do the to do their thing to do their duty and you know ask questions and get the answers and yeah, it all worked out. It all worked out in the end. Yeah, they all raised their hand when he said, "Who wants to live?" <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's the only thing they were responding to.
1: <laughs> yeah, he. Th- we don't know who actually had the information because i i don't think that in this room full of a hundred people
0: not everybody not
1: all of them knew there was probably one person they got lucky that there happened to be this one person in this room because what if no (laughs) one actually was there
0: what if nobody had the information they were just you know ready to cooperate in whatever way they could but
1: yeah I'll, I'll i'll say anything i'll do anything but i don't know yeah i don't know it's yeah. like well this was the deal we had now i have to vaporize all of you
0: yeah and then yeah that's and that's the question would it have to have gone to escalation to where all right the next chair i melt's gonna have somebody in it yeah and that would have been yeah that would have been disastrous for dylan
1: well quiz i mean i think unless something massive has changed in dylan we know that he values life yeah right does he does he still value life or was he ready to take all those lives well
0: we haven't seen anything on camera to indicate that that's changed mhm but
1: i mean i guess saying that someone values life it can really be subjective right <laughs> well yeah because well we have we have couliss in this episode as well who he was he was being chased down because he was a pirate. He was a murderer, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. We find out at the end of the episode that he was actually none of those things. Well, I mean, he was a pirate, but he was a good guy pirate, right?
0: Yeah. He wasn't killing but anybody. He was releasing no. them on planets. Yeah,
1: right. But the the what we're what we're told is that he's kind of like the dread pirate Roberts. Nobody lives to tell about. Being captured by him, right? right? yeah. Well, then how do we know the stories? But... Yeah. But, I mean...
0: It, Good wh- night, Wesley. He did I not know... I shall kill you tomorrow. <laughs> well, anyway, I just had to bring that one.
1: But he didn't know that Elias was on her way into the room when he points the two blasters at Becca and Rade.
0: That's true. He tells he- the
1: audience... He tells Becca and Rade, you're done for. He tells the audience, your two favorite characters are done for. Mm -hmm. and Elias just happens to walk in and be like, hey, I got an idea. Maybe let's not kill him.
0: Yeah, let's make out. So,
1: yeah, we don't know that at this
0: point that he's not a murderer. That's true. But it sure awfully looks like he's a murderer. You're right. And so if we apply that to Dylan, then, yeah, we could honestly say that Dylan's a good guy at heart. He hasn't actually killed anybody, except that he kills the king at the end. But does he really deliver a killing well, blow?
1: No. Uh, he I mean, shot the gun. A, that's just a clumsy king. He's <laughs> he's not used that's, to being out.
0: Let's, again, with the horrible, horrible choreographed <laughs> shot. <laughs> I mean, Kulis goes down badly. And now the king, you know, the, the gun gets shot out of his hand. And that sends him off balance? Okay, Sure. Well, I mean he just kinda went twirling, you know. It yeah. was it was because of the impact. You think about it though,
1: his his hand was outstretched, right? Yeah. And if he gets shot in the hand, that's going to put some torque on the torso of his body that, you know, he's probably not he doesn't work out, I'm imagining. You know, he has <laughs> right. he has people do everything for him. Yeah. So he he doesn't have the core strength to be able to keep himself from twisting. Okay. And it's just the momentum just keeps him going you know spinning yeah. like a top and he goes off into the and I, I kind of half expect Dylan to just be like come on really like I shot him in the hand
0: I, per, I prefer to go with that there was a second shooter on the grassy knoll above yeah. the cliff over the okay. enzyme pond and there was a I'm second listening. shot and that's what actually knocked him into the enzyme pond
1: I'm gonna have to go back and look at the film again Yeah, I
0: think if you review that you will mm-hmm. see evidence that there was a second shooter okay the <laughs> release the zip tape of, <laughs> of exalted reason resplendent daughter <laughs> i think this
1: is all we got
0: i think you're right let's move yeah. on i think ryan okay. it's time for us to do the quote for the week what do you say
1: i say you're the boss this week all right around around and underneath the trickster flies catch him catch him if he doesn't lose you lose you when he flies that's nice, it rhymes. Even it in English. That's that's a Perseid Child's game. It is. We don't know the name of the game. But it's a Perseid Child Now it's that's interesting the way it's written here. Perseid Child's game. Does that mean that it's a a Perseid it's possessive of a Perseid child? Or that it's a child a child's game that the Perseids? Play I, that Percy had children. Yeah,
0: play. I assumed a game that Percy had children play.
1: That's what I think it's supposed to be. It's but the like, punctuation is really throwing me off here.
0: Yeah, a little bit, maybe so. But um, I I kind of viewed it as like a ring around the rosy type deal. Yeah, that's kind of where I was going with it. Mm-hmm. Which, yeah, you know, for in universe, yeah, it's an interesting little tidbit of information. So, how does this tie into our episode? Well, um. If we assume Kulis is the, uh, what was it the 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 trickster the trickster, mm-hmm. then then yeah I, I guess this makes sense or or the princess could be the trickster we'll go with that um yeah you could put one of them in there and then that's or or the king could be the trickster as well I mean you you got to you got a plethora to choose from am I am I getting anywhere close in your opinion
1: oh yeah I think. Um I didn't even get anywhere past Coolis, but Okay. Yeah, you, you brought so much more to this than than I could have imagined. Okay. Um I like to think that this is what this is really about though is that somewhere in the in the second millennium Commonwealth there was um there was a, a terrible plague um <laughs> called the trickster. And so what they did was this this trickster plague it just went around Perseus and you know people they were they were saying catch him catch him right if he doesn't lo- lose you when he flies right so in other words if you don't catch it it's going to catch you and
0: you're going to die and uh, and yeah and, away and, you and fly. a part of the
1: world's population is going to die the, yeah
0: <laughs> it's morbid but it's not any different than ring around the rosy <laughs> so <laughs> Props to you, sir, for for drawing that connection.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you. Yeah,
0: very good. Well, Ryan, we have had our fun. We've we've bantered and discussed. Uh, But it gets down to the brass tacks. What did we think about the episode, Exalted Reason, Resplendent Daughter?
1: Overall, I think it's a really interesting story as far as you have this power-hungry, uh, jealous leader. And, I mean, frankly, this is rooted in reality. We have seen it in history. We've seen it in recent history. You think of a lot of powerful leaders, dictators, who have become so obsessed with uh, having having a grip on the people that they lead that they will go to any lengths in order to keep that secure, even if it means killing their closest associates and family members it's terrible it's wicked it's sad but it's real so i don't think that we can fault the writing of Shinoah san as far as that goes um because it's something that we've seen unfortunately it happens something that it has to be dealt with um he sends off his own daughter to to her death to make it look like an accident um she realizes what's going on and she's able to figure it out and she's also able to figure out coolis and she's able to combine powers with him and they're able to work together and this whole thing ends up working out for the better of society uh, presumably, I mean that's where that's where we're left off. I'm sure we're not going to come back to this. Maybe we will, but everything seems to end up good. So as a story, I think a lot of it is re- is rooted in reality, and also just kind of sort of just giving that glimmer of of a, of a positive outlook on what can happen. At the same time, there's also a lot of issues like. I talked about before that you said, Hey, let's talk about this later. I don't know if I'm going to talk about them again. Cause I already talked about them, but there are a lot of holes in this story and they're just huge, massive gaps in the story. It's like, we're here, we're doing this thing. And then all of a sudden we're doing this. And I'm like, but why, what happened? What was said, what was done to get us to that point. And I'm, I'm wanting to say that those are those are scenes that are laying on the on the editing room floor right now i i don't i don't want to just assume that these are things that didn't get written because it's just they 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 i want to th- i want to think they're deleted scenes that would have made everything make so much more sense the problem is we didn't get them and i, I don't know if if you're looking at this differently than I am, but I have a hard time with the incontinuity of where things are going and where they end up. By the end of it, this is a big problem for me. And I think it detracts from the actual story itself that could have been a good one, except that we didn't get the whole story. Maybe those scenes weren't really all that important. I think we can kind of infer... What happened for most of them, but but we didn't get them. We we're just kind of told things in a very expository way. And even then, it's like they didn't even really tell us everything. It's just, that's what was happening. This is what's happening now. Don't worry about what happened in between. Yeah, so for those reasons, I got to say this was a very distracting episode.
0: Yeah. Okay um i i agree with you 100 uh this is there are the bones of a really good story here unfortunately those bones have been ruined by the enzyme swamp of bad writing <laughs> if you if you follow where i'm going here mm-hmm.
1: yeah um I mean, I don't know how we got there, but yeah,
0: I'm with you. <laughs> right, right. But here we are. <laughs> so yeah, I, I I totally agree with you. Uh, there, it is disjointed. It is jarring in places, and it's like, oh wait, well, okay, we're here now. Um, I I got I got to figure out how to catch up because I, I can't fill in the gaps. Um, Naomi Jensen's first episode that she wrote was for whom the bell to- tolls. Do you remember that one? In which we I got, remember.
1: I remember that there was an episode called that, but
0: yeah. So, so, so Harper and Becca go down to a planet. Uh, there's a storm. They get brought back quickly uh, and there are the uh, electronic eating or metal eating slugs that eat through the ship and reveal a section of the ship where Eddie Aldrich was, right? Mm-hmm. You remember, you remember this now? And the ghost mm-hmm. of Eddie Aldrich comes out and haunts mm-hmm. the ship, you know, and this feels very much like that in that a lot of things are happening and there's no real explanation. And if you start to look too closely at how things got where they're at, it doesn't really work. And so we got a lot of that with this episode too. And I'm not, I'm not really, I'm, I'm not saying I don't like Naomi James because I'm looking down through her list and there were some good episodes that she did. It's just for this one, just this combination at this particular time. Um, they just couldn't draw it all together into something that was coherent. And that's really what's missing out of this story is is a coherency. Uh, mm-hmm. There's some great stuff. It's just there was no way of executing it properly. And I, I, if there's a lot of it that ended up on the cutting room floor, then it's not so bad. At least somebody made an effort. Mm-hmm. And so I like to believe that you might, possibly be correct and there are a lot of things that just couldn't be made just had to be cut for time and it would have made the story so much better um, there are elements of the story and things that we learned that I actually really do like about this episode it's just extremely poorly executed and some of the some of the direction is not great uh, lines are delivered badly uh, death scenes are delivered badly I mean, there's a lot to look at here and say, Okay, yeah, this is a this is not the strongest episode.
1: And the hand through the ice is one of the worst things I've seen in a really long time Uh, uh, in anything. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. (laughs) As we sit here in February of 2022. Yeah. (laughs) That's one of the worst things I've seen.
0: (laughs) Yeah. So I'm I'm in total agreement with you. This is not the strongest episode in season four. And certainly, by far, not the strongest episode of Andromeda. So, I I, I could see skipping it if you know if I was uh, doing a rewatch. And yeah,
1: yeah, because it's really not necessary at all. There's nothing no. here that that is essential to the overall story uh, with the abyss, with the Magog. There's nothing really here as far as with the deterioration of the Commonwealth. I mean, it's kind of I I, I thought we were going to get
0: that. That's not 100 percent true, because right there at the end, we have the conversation of Dylan and Trance in which Trance really tries to sum up the episode we've just seen and the decision that Dylan has made to bring the princess and the pirate together and put them in power. And now they're one of the strongest empires in the Commonwealth. And is the Commonwealth going to be okay with this? Well, we're gonna visit that in the next episode. Spoiler alert. But yes, we this is going to have consequence going forward. But not really. <laughs> you know, it's a drop in the bucket compared with everything else that's gonna be thrown Dylan's Dylan's direction. So there is there is something to carry forward in this. It's just yeah. it's not you're 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 right. It's not worth it. It's not worth sitting forty five minutes through
1: all right well ethan you have spoken your piece i have spoken mine um i'm sure there's a lot of uh people out there who would love to get in contact with us and let us know what they thought ria from canada travis from uk edward from north dakota okay. robert from california okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. i'd like to hear from you all again especially yeah. i'm sure ethan, you would <laughs> hey these are some of my favorite fans that i've ever made up hey how could they get a hold of us if they wanted to do so?
0: Well, if you love the show, or Ryan in particular, you can email us at drivebackthenightpodcast at gmail.com You can also
1: find us on Facebook and Twitter using the handle at AndromedaPod on both of those locations. Give us a like and a follow and and uh, favorite some of our tweets and you can get in get contact us with us there as well. We are on Podbean. We are at AndromedaSeries.podbean.com. That's where you can find every episode of Andromeda, or on your favorite podcatcher.
0: And if you listen to us on Apple Podcasts, give us a star rating and review. We certainly appreciate that. You can also listen to us on Spotify, and as Ryan just mentioned, anywhere you get your podcasts.
1: You can also say, "Alexa, play the latest episode of Drive Back the Night," an Andromeda Series podcast. And it works. And, oh, and she's doing it. And I don't know if you can hear that. <laughs> it just did it. Good thanks to our big friend, Doug Anderson, for lending us his voice again for the opening quote of this episode. We are an Age of Geek production, and we hope that you will join us here next time as we explore the episode The Torment, The Release. Excuse me. Be sure not to be playing chess when you get to that part in the editing.
0: (laughs) Uh, Thanks for calling me out on that. I will try and remember that.